Welcome to the Springforth Podcast, a ministry of the First Congregational Church of McGregor, Iowa. This recording was made on November 28, 2021, the first Sunday of Advent. to see you as we launch a new season. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, a season of preparation as we prepare our hearts and minds for the Christ child. There are a series of pages, a flurry of papers that you received on your way in. And I'm only going to talk about the things on the orange sheet, and then I will turn it over for, for uh, Mary to highlight the other items that you have received. First of all, today's special donation offering, uh, for those of you who have been monitoring the stuff that we've been doing for the, for the food shelf and the holiday train, is 10 cents for every pair of shoes that you have in your possession in your closet. So for some of you that might break the bank. For me it was easy. (laughs) And that donation uh, collection is taking up in the back. And then of course the ones that we have coming ahead are five cents for every chair in your house and then ten cents for every TV, computer, tablet, or cell phone. We've been doing this sort of creative, um, creative fundraising and also making us mindful of the things that we actually have in our possession. Fundraisings like this might actually cause us to sort of divest of some of these items that we thought were important, but you know, if the church is gonna hit us up for these things, maybe they're not so important anymore. Where is, where's Juanita? I thought, I, there she is, okay. I just wanted to say sympathies, prayers for you. Juanita's husband, Terry, uh, passed away last week, so we are continuing to lift you and yours up in prayer. And it's good to see you this morning. Also, congratulations to Sarah and Reg Freilinger as they welcome the birth of another son, Fulton Lawrence. <laughs> an, an enthusiastic response. So we have Foster now has a younger brother to uh, show the ropes to. This will be, <laughs> this will be exciting. Are there things that you want to highlight about the other announcement sheet that they received? Then I would invite the, the Grady family to come forward and do the lighting of our Advent candle, which is not printed in our bulletin, will be next week. These seasons sort of sneak up on you, but we have to have our Advent candle lighting ceremony. The season of Advent is an invitation to to meditate on the promises of God. 
Here is what the prophet Jeremiah sees. A righteous leader will spring up, one who will carry out justice and righteousness, one who brings salvation and safety for the people. How then do we live as those who believe that the promises of God will be fulfilled? As those who lift up their souls to God? As those who walk a path of love and faithfulness? As those who work for justice and righteousness? As those who live in the light of hope? If we are alert to the promise of the Lord and live in the light of hope, we will be truly blessed as Christ comes again into our lives. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promises I have made. To you, O Lord, we lift up our souls. In you, O God, we trust. The one who is coming will show us the path of steadfast love and faithfulness. Teach us your ways, O God, of our salvation. We light this candle in the sure hope that God's promises endure. We will live in the light of hope as we await the coming of the Lord. Do any of you have one of these in your pews? They're in the back. Let's get it then. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna run to the back and get books. We'll we'll sing light the Advent candle next week. All right. Let us uh, have the prelude then. together in the invocation as printed in the bulletin. God be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in that the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty, to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to life immortal. Through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us join together in our opening hymn, number 77.
responsive reading this morning is Psalm 25 and can be found in our bulletin. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. My God, I put my trust in you. Let me not be humiliated, nor let my enemies triumph over me. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and love, for they are from everlasting. Gracious and upright is the Lord, therefore he teaches sinners in his way. All the paths of the Lord are love and faithfulness to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Good morning, everyone. The Old Testament reading this morning is from Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 14 through 16. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. Today's epistle comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses nine through 13. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you face to face and restore whatever is lacking in your faith. Now may God, our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all just as we abound in love for you. And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Let us rise for the presentation of the gospel. The gospel comes to us from Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 36. Some give a little context here. As we begin this new season of Advent, each Sunday in Advent has a theme. Today's theme is that of hope. And as we move through the themes, we have hope, we have peace, we have joy and love for each respective Sunday. We have a reading before us today where Jesus is talking about sort of cataclysmic end of the age, the end of the distress, the wanton greed, the incessant need to satisfy what one desires. And he is seeing this at work in his own time and place, 
And he understands that this is and will be the way of people. But he doesn't want us to fix and focus our minds on just that sort of dour circumstance. He wants us to realize that the message of God will cut through all of that, cut through the heartache, the brokenness, will cut through the wretchedness, and we will glimpse the compassion and the love of God even in the midst of a world that seems like it is coming apart at its seams. Even if we feel as if somehow we too are coming apart at our seams, emotional and otherwise. So this reading that we have here is not an enthusiastic reading. Some of you may feel like we're already in the holiday season because we see the signs of festive cheer being put up in shops and, and in residential homes. But the church tries to be clear to realize that Advent is a process. We can't just jump right in to the reality of Christmas and the embrace of God's Son and the power of what that incarnation means for us without understanding the reasons for God doing that thing. So we have to be mindful of the fact that there is hardship, there is suffering, and that sometimes that suffering comes on behalf of what we do. This is the sermon before the sermon, in case any of you are wondering. But that's okay if those of you like to snooze. I'm, I'm saying everything that needs to be said right now because I can do that. But what Jesus wants us to know is to not get distressed by the weight of the world. And I suppose that is something that we need to hear no matter what season we're in, liturgically or otherwise. But we do realize that the weight of the world will sometimes be enough that it wants to crush us, to cause us to sort of resign and say, I can't take it anymore, and go away. Jesus, as reminding us as people of faith, hang in there. It is not yet over until God says it is over. With that, let us now hear Luke 21, 25 through 36. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. They will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when you hear these things and see them begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation or drunkenness or the worries of this life, and that day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will all come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth, be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of the Holy Word. You may be seated. Let us pray. Loving and most merciful God, we come before you today just as we are from our respective walks of life and our life experience and the context of where you find us right now as we prepare ourselves to accept this new liturgical season we we hope that you will be there on the other end we trust that you are mindful of our current context, that you understand exactly what we're going through, what we're confronting, where our hearts are at, and that you will build that bridge. And we will be tethered to you. So when we find ourselves in a point of confusion, distress, when we grieve, you were there to lift us up and to remind us that this place where we are at at this present time will not endure forever. Remind us of who we are as people of faith, 
give us the encouragement that we need to make it through our time of trial and to be delivered safely onto the other side. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. Bless, keep, and guide us now and always. In Jesus' name, amen. So you can imagine my, well, I suppose you can imagine it because you're not preachers. But a text like this, in a season like this, is one that a preacher would rather not have to address, not have to concern. When we get closer to the season of Christmas, we have an enthusiasm and a lightness in our heart. And it's because Christmas usually elicits a sense of, of joy and togetherness. And it's not so much about the gain of what we might receive, but what we can offer, what we can offer others in terms of hospitality, what we can offer in terms of others in, in the realm of just good demeanor. This time of year lands us at a better position as we prepare to sort of close out the year and think about all the stuff that the year has washed over us, all the things that we've wrestled with, the decisions that we've had to make, and the people that we have lost along the way, as well as those that we have gained. So we kind of do a summation of our life at this time of year, and it usually reflects with deeper conversations, greater listening, a little bit more introspection. For the most part, we are a more enlightened people by the end of the year, and not just because of Christmas, but because of we've got some, some perspective on what this year has given us. And naturally, if we come to worship around this time of season, we want upbeat texts. We want the sermons to engage us in a way that will remind us that we've been making progress. We're not the sum total of the mistakes that we have made or the poor decisions and, and the patches of weariness that we have had along the way, but that, we, that God has been mindful of us throughout all the twists and turns that this year has given us and we count ourselves as blessed. And even I, as a minister, I, I want that not only for my own personal life, but I want that for my professional life as well, to be able to say, hey, we've made it through this year. It hasn't all been the way that we would want it to, but we're here. We are wiser, more introspective, and, and hopefully a little bit more civil. But then, you get a text like this where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's being very plain with them. He's like, what you were seeing and what you were experiencing right now is the way of the world. People can be rude and insincere. They can desire their own will. You have to realize that Jesus was speaking to individuals who were under the occupation of Rome and Rome really didn't care about their wants and needs. Rome's like you are just but one of many dominions that we have. And if you try to test us, you will feel the might of our power. Now, we'll let you operate in your little microcosm so long as you don't try to flex politically because we're going to have to smack you down. So Jesus realizes as he was speaking to his disciples that their full expression of their religious self was being hampered. They could only be the people of God within the parameters that Rome gave them. So their light was diminished. It wasn't extinguished, but it was diminished. So they certainly couldn't be the people of God as they had felt and wanted themselves to be because there was always those ever-present reminders that you were within the bounds of a much larger, much larger force empire that's saying, be careful. Don't try to think you have more liberty and more access than you really have. We'll let you have your temple. We'll let you have your rituals. But don't let that stuff spill over into challenging the powers that be. So when you put it in that context, we start to realize that we too live in a certain context of diminished reality. We have as much influence as we have been able to cultivate, and some of us are very influential and, and have accomplished a great many things 
in our life and work. But still, as I said earlier, we get around this time of year and we start thinking about what we've done with our life. We start thinking, why am I not further along? Why, why is my business not more successful? Why are my kids better behaved? Why is my spouse so unruly? If you have a spouse. So you think about these things and you keep saying, we keep measuring ourselves against what seems like the assumed status and accomplishments of everyone else around us. And we can start to feel diminished and start to feel as if perhaps maybe we haven't done anything at all. Now Jesus realizes this is, this is the, 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 the way in which world and society messes with our heads. Jesus wants us to remember that we are children of God, sons and daughters of the light, infused with God's blessing, created in God's image, created for a purpose. And that enough should be all the conceit that we should have. We should need nothing else from the outside externally to boost us up. Just knowing that God is mindful of us should be all that we need to drive us forward with confidence. But why do we constantly get pulled back? Why is it that our minds, if you received, if you received 50 compliments in a day and one criticism, what are you going to mull at the end of the day? Why didn't that person like my shoes? Why did that person have to criticize me about that project that I did at work? Why did that have to be so negative? 50 compliments, one criticism. We hang on to the criticism. We forgot all the affirmations, all the affirmations of the day. We put those away. We thought that they were just flattering us because they wanted something. But that person who criticized us, man, they were on to something. We got to get to the bottom of that. This is how the world is working. So Jesus is saying, look, disciples, I know you're looking around here and you're seeing a compromised world. This is the same chapter where just a, a few verses earlier, Jesus was watching people give to the temple treasury. And it was the, the, the widow who gave her last two copper coins. And Jesus says she has given of everything because she gave all that she had, thus placing her trust and faith on God. Everyone else was giving out of their abundance. They were more comfortable because they knew that they had something squirreled away. So they could give for the spectacle, but not really give in faith. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples because he wants to tap in to them. And he wants to instill in us that unless we can truly operate underneath the impulse of our faith, we're always going to be disrupted by the, this anxiety tussle that the world gives us. We're always going to be told that we don't measure up. We're going to be reminded of our deficiencies, sometimes in subtle and not so subtle ways. And our witness and our light is going to be diminished. So Jesus says there's going to be distress among the nations, right? Nations will war against one another. This is going to happen. There will be destructions. There will be confusions. There will be individuals who will be out for their own gain. He's like, these things are going to happen. But in the midst of all of the things that are not right with the world, there is something's right. There is something right, and that is in the definition of the people of God being able to cut through that noise and remember who we are. And this is something that you don't need a minister to tell you this. This is something that we should have somehow as part of our daily ritual as we prepare ourselves for the day, we need to give ourselves those affirmations which we may not rely upon others to give us. It's wonderful when you can get them. Don't mistake me. If somebody gives you an affirmation, you hang on to it because it seems that they're getting so exceedingly rare. But when you can confront yourself in the mirror and you can affirm that you were created in God's image and that God has blessed you with wisdom and capacity and that you make things happen, that there are projects that move forward, individuals who are who are able to, to get a better affirmation of themselves as a result of your interactions with them. When you can bring yourself to that point of acknowledging that God has done a good work in you, that is enough. 
And that's what Jesus wants us to remember, even as the world seems to be tested and stretched. Last year, somewhere during the course of last year, I realized how difficult it was for us to just be human because we were constantly being baited by our social media feeds, by our friends, by our counterparts. We were constantly being baited by them to take a side, whatever the argument was, just pick a side and stand up for it. And we became exceedingly polarized and divisive. And when we found our tribes, we sort of lost our reason because the only thing that was important was being defined according to this or that group. And it seemed as if we no longer assessed individuals by how we knew them, but where they currently stood on this or that issue. And it became so burdensome that we, we didn't function correctly as a people. I don't even want a show of hands about the whole notion of what holidays mean for you. Unfortunately, your Thanksgiving is going to take on a different light in the future. But holidays have been exceedingly stressful for individuals because they know that, well, there's just something about family that's just difficult. Family can just be difficult, right? I mean, so let's just start there. And I think that usually we spend our holidays with family, which is why we're like, oh, do I have to? And that coupled with perhaps maybe that our relatives don't always believe and espouse the same things we do, and some of them are rather vocal about it, and some of them are rather insincere about it, and some of them are rather in your face about it, and you're like, I'd rather not have that because it doesn't bode well for digestion to have someone constantly droning on about this or that and trying to... This is where ministers get blamed because really the best evangelization doesn't happen in the church. It actually happens over the meal tables, right? It happens at Thanksgiving dinner. It happens at Christmas dinner. It happens at New Year's. It happens at those times when you're, you're trapped because you're, you're supposed to be kind and have, have decent behavior and someone is exploiting that. They're like, ha-ha, I know you can't leave. You can't leave because you don't have the car key, so you're going to listen to me. <laughs> and they get that psycho look, Right? You try to go away to get some more pie and they block you? I'm not done yet? And they kind of lean in and you're like, why? Why do I have to endure this? And Jesus says, look, these things are going to happen. You're going to have that weird, odd relative who has to make a point tonight. No one leaves this house until I've made my point. Turn that television off. Listen to me. So Jesus says, okay, um, yeah, these things will happen. How do we counteract that, right? How, how, do you, how do you counter the psycho relative? How do you counter the person who is absolutely insistent that you are going to come to their understanding if it hurts someone? How do we counter that strong spirit in ourselves to be right by any means necessary? We, we, tap in, we tap into this, this opiate-like image of Jesus. He says, let's put some things into perspective. Who's the author of life? Who's the, the author of creation? Did God order us this way to be at odds with one another? That's a variation on a theme that we've done, right? There's a thing called improvisation. And improvisation is the ability to take the techniques and the applications that you know and to vary the themes, right? For those who have learned to speak a language, when you start to write poetry, you improvise on, on meter and rhyme. You improvise on the structure of words, which is why poetry does not sound like prose because you're taking the language structure and you're putting an artistic embellishment on it. When we become disreputable, when we become disagreeable, we are improvising on what God has established, our true nature. 
Our true nature is to be loving and compassionate and supportive to one another. But we improvise on that. And we start to take a theme. And we double down on it. And instead of affirming others, we decide to improvise on that and criticize them. Instead of lifting them up, we find some way to lower their esteem. You manipulate and we improvise and we create these things because we can, but should we? Because that same technique that we can apply to disrupting someone else's life, disrupting their flow and their identity and their sense of self can be done to us. And we know how insincere that is when we're on the receiving end of someone who just comes out of us out of the blue for no other reason than just to hurt us. They have no other objective than to make us feel miserable. So again, there we are confronting ourselves in the mirror, getting ready for the day. No other voices, just our own and the one in our head. And we ready ourselves for the day with the affirmation that God has created a beautiful work. And there it is before us. And when you fortify yourself with that affirmation, if you can head out into the day with that affirmation and you can remember that you are somebody, that will not be taken away from you. It can't be taken away from you because God has given it to us. Oh no, we humans, we can, we can poke holes in it and we can gnaw at it and we can chip away at it, but it cannot be taken because it is our foundation, friends. That is our foundation. That is who we are from inception. So Jesus gives this really practical application about the fig tree. He's like, look, it's not so difficult to tell when, when God is going to enter into the realm. He's like, look at the seasons that we have. He goes, when you see the, the tree bring forth buds, you know that summer is near. Because the tree is now responding to the, to the warmer weather and saying, oh, it's going to be time to send some leaves out. And we can see that. We can feel the warmth. And we can start to understand that, yes, this cold frost, this terrible, icy, cold season of disruption will pass. Jesus is reminding us that whatever we are in, whatever season of deflation that we are in right now will pass. But we have to believe that. Because if, if, if our flavor is that we want to be in a constant sense of depression, we will never see the spring. We will never see the summer. We will never see the signs of life. If we want to be mired and stuck in winter, if we want to hang on to the criticisms, if we want to replay something that happened to us decades ago and wonder why it is that had to happen and we're stuck in that loop, we will never be able to embrace where God is sending us. So ultimately, when Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples, he is telling them that they are the seeds of a new tomorrow. Because they weren't feeling that. They were concerned. They were taken aback by what he was saying because he had always, he'd always made things so accessible. And now he was telling them, you know the hardship of the world. I'm not going to take that away. That will be. But what I want to do is to change what happens in you. I want to change your perception. I want you not to look at these things and, and see fear and foreboding and paralysis. Can't move forward because the world is, is so cruel and harsh. I want you to see that God has created each and every one of us as we are the ones who bring the agency to the world. We're the ones who bring the transformation to the world. We're the ones who turn around the insincere things that are happening at our gatherings. So we don't give authority to the powers that want to diminish us. We recognize that we we are the authorities that bring the life. We are the ones that bring the renewal. We are the ones that bring the contrary opinion to death and destruction. We're the ones that have the power to exhibit compassion and love and renewal if we want to. 
because God says it's already in you. That is how we have been created. But we must give expression to it. Because without it, you'll get more of the same. Do you want more of the same? Please, we don't want more of the same. That old crabbiness that continues to just crank out meme after meme. We don't want that. We already know where that goes. That's bankrupt. What we want is an affirmation that cuts through the noise, the distress, the grief, the hardships, the low self-esteem. We want the renewal that reminds us that we have something to give and we have an opportunity and an obligation to give it. Because when you go into the world with that mindset, I guarantee you, when, you're, when you intersect with someone who is in sort of the, the, the descending life, and they connect with your ascending life and your compassion and your renewal, you will save a soul. And I can say that from experience. Having encountered individuals who met me when I was on my way down. And they spoke the words and they had the gestures and they held the space. And I was renewed. And it's not even a person who's of a particular deep faith, but a person who's mindful to realize when someone's in pain and not to add to that, not to gaslight them, but to say, I see that you're in pain. How might I assist you? Your legs go out when you get that invitation. We don't get that that often, you know? We get it when something terrible happens in the family, they love us up. They're sorry for us then. You know, but then time passes on. They're not sorry anymore. Like, you got your love. We have to wash, rinse, and repeat. This religious stuff, it's not just for, it's not a one-off. It's an everyday constantly applying it, and when we do apply it with regularity, we get better at it, right? You want to learn to play that instrument? Nobody plays piano anymore, but for those who want to learn to play an instrument, you got to practice, baby. You have to. You can't just come off and say, well, I learned chopsticks. That's pretty good. There's a long way between chopsticks and Chopin. A lot of ground there. <laughs> But it's not impossible for a person who knows chopsticks to learn Chopin with time and application. So it's not that difficult for those of us who have felt the wrath of the world far too often to become individuals who now no longer insist on adding to the wrath of the world. We've now, we've now got new medicine. And the new medicine says, I'm going to bring love where there's been hate, I'm going to bring compassion, where there's been disregard. I'm going to bring affirmation, where there's been nothing but a string of criticisms. I'm now going to be the contrary force to what seems to be the order of the day. And if the order of the day says, make them feel miserable, if the order of the day is remind them how insignificant they are, then I'll say, I take the opposite path. I affirm. I love. I listen. And Jesus says, and then these former things will pass away. If we do that, these former things will pass away. Amen. Let us join together in our responsive hymn number 233.
You may be seated. And as we join together in our fellowship of prayer, received an update from Misty Jones, mother of Sean Mose, who is in hospital right now. He had an operation on his liver and they were able to stop the bleeding, but there's been some significant damage to that organ. So we send prayers to Sean and family as they work together with Sean's healthcare team to find a path forward, given what they know and, and what they hope. And given the fact that this young man is 15 years old, we want him to get every possible ounce out of his life. So our prayers in that direction and would be welcome. Also, as I had mentioned at the top of the service, Juanita Lang and family are in their valley of grief at this time as they are processing the passing of Terry. His funeral service will be this Saturday, St. Mary's at 2, visitation from 12 until service begins. And I know that they would welcome our prayers and support during this time as well. So let us pray. Gracious and merciful God, this is our time of a new beginning for a liturgical season, but it seems that every day when we greet you, it's an opportunity for a new beginning. For we do not know yet what the day has in store for us. We will not know until we ready ourselves for the closure of that day what all transpired and make an assessment of perhaps how well we handled the day's events. So we come to you because, well, you just seem to have that togetherness that we need. The reminders that for the things that we cannot process, you will assist us. That endearing reminder that we are not alone is not a throwaway line. It's absolutely essential for those of us who pay any attention to the context of life, our own and those around us. As I look even through the congregation, I realize that there's a number of individuals gathered here who have not had the best of years. There's been some loss. There's been some disappointments. There's been some setbacks. We turn to you because you renew, redirect, you sustain us. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for anyone that you've ever sent to us who has been and served as a reminder of your gracious love. We could use more of that. And when we are mended, we, we will join up to take the bounty and to bring rays of hope to the weary. We ask that you would bless those who are in hospital or in recovery. We lift up Sean Mose to you. We thank you for a successful surgical procedure that he had, which quite possibly saved his life. And we ask that you would continue to bless his healthcare team, strengthen his family as they ask the right questions, and prepare for a path forward so he can have quality life moving forward and maximize his days. As we gather here in the comfort of the sanctuary, we ask that you would continue to provide support and reassurance 
and consolation to Juanita and to her family. We thank you for Terry's life, for his witness, for his determined spirit, things that were very unique to him. You created him in your image. You blessed him with gifts. He did the best with what you gave him. But you've reclaimed him. And we endure on the memory of his life here with us. So we ask that you would continue to guide and strengthen his family and his friends and this community which mourns his passing. Lead us gently as we make our way towards his service this weekend and continue to provide the assurance to those he leaves behind that you have given him rest for his labors. Give them courage for today and hope for tomorrow. We come before you just as we are with our own respective prayer concerns. We give you thanks for the many blessings that you have showered in our life for the opportunities to welcome new life, such as Fulton Lawrence. Bless him and his family as they celebrate his entrance into their world. We ask that you would receive the prayers that we set before you today. We come before you just as we are. Receive our prayers, joys, and concerns in Jesus' name. giving you thanks and prayer for receiving these, the prayers of your people. Collect them into your care and let your blessing fall upon us as we pray as one. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
gifts, God, we offer them to you. We thank you for allowing us to go forth and to provide opportunities in this world, to bless the world in a variety of ways. As we apply our gifts, talent, wisdom, we have something to show for it. Leave a portion of that to ministry. And we ask that this ministry will reverberate beyond these walls, will provide uplift, encouragement, and hope to your people. Receive these gifts for the sake of he who offered himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. We join together in our covenant, which is on the front cover of our blue hymnal. We covenant with the Lord and with one another and do bind ourselves in the presence of God to walk together in his holy ways. We will strive to be doers of the word and not hearers only, to be firm in faith, quickened in hope, and constant in charity. And we will consecrate our time, talent, substance, and influence as heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. God of grace, God of glory, mercy and might, receive each and every one of us as we come before you, seeking your blessing, seeking your absolution. Provide us those things that we need to have confidence in this world, in ourselves, and in you, that we might be called to serve one another, to bless one another, and to grow together. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples. He took bread, he blessed it, and he says, this is my body given for you. Together they shared the cup. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood shed for the remission of sins. As often as we do eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let us pray. Loving and most merciful God, yes, thank you. Thank you for the many times when you have saved us from ourselves, when you curbed our tongue so we didn't make a relationship worse, when we had a, an idea that we thought, oh, this, this might be really good, and you're like, no, we better not do that. And we didn't. We just played it cool. We were tempered. We didn't give rise to anger. We didn't denigrate, we didn't lose our minds. These instances sometimes are so subtle, depending on, of course, the frequency of our freakouts. But you are there delivering us, so when we say thank you, we really mean that. Thank you for allowing us to be in a position where we are free to serve, free to engage, free to love. And may you, Provide us with the assurance that we walk together. And you will light the way. Amen. Let us join together in our closing hymn, number 472.
And now, may God bless you and keep you. May God send the Spirit upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Holy Spirit bless you and keep you in peace. Amen. Thank you.